Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Tyler Wagner, founder of Authors Unite and the Infinite Partnership System. And we're going to be discussing how to build a partner marketing program. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler. Thank you so much, man. Grateful to be here. Excellent. And I'm really looking forward to talk all about partnership marketing because I guess just as a starting point, you have two different roles here as founder of Authors Unite and the Infinite Partnership System. Can you maybe speak a little bit on your respective roles in those companies, how much maybe time you spend, what you're responsible for, and piece together how they interact, if at all? You know, what's interesting is I was recently talking to my brother about this, where I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which I think was a big, um, big thing for a lot of entrepreneurs uh, lives after they read that book and i read it when i was i think i was like 19 20 years old and then i decided to drop out of school and then i wrote my first book and and regardless to, to pass through my whole story there is that mindset though of the four-hour work week stuck with me i think it's like in my subconscious and the reason i bring that up is because ultimately for both of the businesses it's it's very very minimal time like probably like five to 10 hours a week I'm spending in total on both combined. And it took me a while to get there, right? Like it wasn't overnight. Um, but that's actually how I think we were talking before. I'm actually on a road trip right now. And I just doing this podcast and just kind of check in on things, but ultimately five to 10 hours a week. And how they both coincide is Authors Unite now has been, I think I've been doing it around 10 years. Um, I'm 30 now. Start yeah, started around 2021, so around 10 years. And then Infinite Partnership System is very recent. That's about let's just say like a year old. And how I came up with it is just essentially how we built Authors Unite. I came to realize I was like, oh, we can like this can work for any business, and I don't see many other businesses doing this. Um, so let me teach it. And then that started to grow as well. So that's how they're kind of connected. When did you launch Authors Unite as a starting point? It was 2021. So about nine, 10 years ago. Yeah. 2011, you mean, sorry. 
2011, 2012. Yeah. 2011, 2012. Okay. And um, how long, so, and then you just, uh, you mentioned the infinite partnership system. You launched that maybe a year ago or just over? Exactly. And I will say just for transparency purposes, Authors Unite, it wasn't always named Authors Unite. In the beginning, there were some different names. Mm -hmm. I've been in the publishing business for 10 years. Authors Unite itself, I think, is about six years old. Okay. And I'm just interested, just uh, before we carry on, you're on a road trip. Is that for professional reasons or personal reasons? Uh, Both, let's say. (laughs) Um, so it, it's for my mental. So I think that's, uh, that's for both. Yeah. But, uh, what, what had happened is I realized that I live in Miami and I lived there for six years and I had never checked out the West side of Florida, like right. Naples, Sarasota and all that. So we're just doing a little route up there and then, uh, coming back down to Miami over the weekend. Uh, interesting. I think the the main reason I ask is because, I mean, the four hour work week has come up on this podcast several times in the past and it's always interesting. Um, we might even cover it as we keep talking, but spending a minimal time, a minimal amount of time on those businesses or a relatively small amount of time. I'm always interested in how people spend that extracurricular time that they've then saved and like, how are you utilizing that time? And I think the story that you just told there of well, I guess one lesson already that comes to mind is that having that mindset and being able to being able to have the breathing space to launch Infinite Partnership System because you weren't working, you know, crazy hours on Authors Unite means that you now, you know, you've launched two businesses. Uh, have you got any other businesses either lined up or that you're running? Yeah, I do. So I will, you know what, I'll, I'll speak to two things there. So I do there. I mean, I have like a thousand businesses in my head, right? This is a a brain. One of my issues is my brain never turns off. Um, so I've been working on that, but, um, one of the things that, you know, they never teach in school or in anywhere, I don't know where they teach it, but, um, you know, it's one thing to become successful and like build businesses that way and then have all this free time, but they, they never teach you what to do with all the free time. Right? So, <laughs> and I, look, I'll say it's a good problem to have, but nonetheless, and I, and I mean this actually like pretty seriously, like it is actually a, a problem, mm-hmm. like meaning like, um, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard like entrepreneurs can be lonely, like, and, and there's a lot of different things, but when you have all that free time, you really do have to figure out what to do. And before all that free time, I was working a lot, you know, like I would do a couple, uh, what was my normal week? Probably like a hundred to 200 calls a week, like to really get this thing moving to mm-hmm. how it is now. So because of that, now where I'm at, I had realized I was like, whoa, I don't really have any hobbies. Like, I don't even know what I like to do (laughs) because all I did for the past 10 years is work. So now I'm like rediscovering like, oh, okay, traveling. I really like to do that. So let's do that. Um, And honestly, what it's come down to just helping people. Like I do a lot of mentoring, Uh um, a lot of local people in Miami that are um, sometimes they're younger than me and they're at maybe like the six figure point or maybe even a little less. And I just try to help them like that kind of brings that fuels me seeing other people succeed due to some of the impact I've had on them. So I like that and traveling and I'm still trying to find some other hobbies with the other free time right now. (laughs) Yeah. The seriousness of what you said reminds me of the stories you hear when people leave the military. So their lives are mapped out. They're in the military for several years. And then, then people can suffer depression when they leave the military because they've suddenly got all this time and don't know what to do with it. It's very low, you know, in a, in a strange way, you would maybe assume that having all free th- this free time would be a liberating experience, but it's quite intimidating perhaps for a lot of people because you don't have that structure anymore. So you've got to figure out what to do with it. 
Yeah. I didn't know that, man. I actually, that just helped me. I appreciate you you saying that because I am like a very like rigid, um, like routine individual. Hmm. So either way, yeah, with all this free time, I've had to just be like, I don't know, like, what do I? So it's just interesting that I, I didn't know that stat hmm. or that that happens to people in the army and stuff. So hmm. that's cool to know. One aspect I'm interested in, so I've just, in the research for this, I know, and one of the reasons that we're going to be talking about partnership marketing is because you have an opinion on paid advertising. And I think I just want you to elaborate on what that opinion is as a little bit of context. When Tyler launched Authors Unite and was growing Authors Unite, uh, as far as I'm aware, Tyler, you managed to grow that to a seven-figure company without investing in any paid advertising. So is that statement correct? And then maybe talk me through how he did that. Yeah. So I'll say very, very minimal. So the only advertising we do is retargeting right now. We've attempted in that period of growing, we attempted some Google ads and Facebook ads, but I'll tell you, they they really didn't have any positive reflection on revenue. So I think the statement you said stands true, but Mm. again, just in transparency, we did attempt it. So we did spend some advertising dollars. But yeah, so my opinion on it is, is like, look, I think for some people, it, it, I, or I don't think, I know for some people it works because I've seen it work. A lot of my friends in the internet marketing space, um, they have seven, eight figure businesses uh, and they do paid advertising and they get a positive ROI. So uh, for me though, I tried multiple different firms and it just never kept, it never worked ultimately. And I, I would always get the same excuse. This was from like Facebook ad agencies, SEO um, agencies that like, Hey, you know, we got to spend all this money takes like six months before we get all of the results back from the test money and then we'll uh, be able to start being profitable. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm impatient or something, but it just seemed like it was a lot of maybes and no like definite returns. And the way my business works is like uh, with Authors Unite, like we have guarantees for like everything. So I think it's the way I run my business. It just, and again, I just want to make sure I'm being clear. It can work. It's mm. just, it doesn't sit well with me when somebody's like, hey, pay me 10 grand a month. And then like maybe in six months, we'll get you a return. You know, because people pay me, you know, like 70K and up for our services. And we have some other smaller ones. And for all of them, it's like, look, if we don't get you the result, then we give you a refund, pretty much all of them. So it's just, I don't know, it's just the way my mind works. When I pay for something, I want to make sure I'm getting what I want in return. So regardless though, what I found that worked was partnership marketing. And for us, like our biggest partners with Authors Unite, because mostly what we do is book marketing, that's what we're known for in the industry, is publishers, PR agencies, editors, and ghostwriters. So those four types of businesses and individuals, they are our best partners, right? And there's literally millions of those types of people and businesses around the world. So either way, that's how we were able to scale is essentially just building relationship with 10, I think now we're, I don't know, 10, 15,000 are in our CRM. And, you know, I wake up every day to my email with just, uh, that's probably like an hour. That's like the five hours a week is just checking email and being like, oh, another referral, another referral. But it did take a lot of upfront time of building those relationships. So taking, uh, taking, your mind back to 2011. Were there any other limitations, for example, whether it was maybe a financial limitation or 
maybe just your experience up until that point that had prevented you from exploring paid media at that point or paid advertising. So I'm, I'm just trying to understand. I assume that, you know, at that point, you're ready to launch a company, you want to keep costs low, but I don't know for sure whether that was a factor in your decision making. Yeah, in the, in the beginning it was. Um, but then as we, so we had, I'm trying to remember, because I don't know exact numbers, but I think like the first and second year, like we did six figures a year for like the first four or five years. And then it took us like five, six years to get to seven figures. <laughs> and um, so, you know, when you're at six figures, you can start to take some risks. But to answer your question is clearly in the very beginning, 100%, like, you know, my rent was 400. I remember when I got my first client, I was living in Iowa (laughs) in this entrepreneur house with six other guys and great experience. We all held each other accountable um, and everything. Great way to start a business. And I got my first client and it was like coaching them on like publishing. And I think it was for like three grand and my rent was 400 a month. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm rich. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm good for like the next six to eight months on rent or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is amazing. So, um, so either way, it definitely, uh, in the very beginning was a very risky to me in my mindset. I think it's something you said is really interesting to me as well, because you were, you were keen to stress that, you know, this is just your experience. You're not saying that paid advertising can't work and you've seen it work for peers and friends. But I think that's an important part of marketing is that particularly as a an entrepreneur or a solo business owner, you've got to grow a company the way that you're most comfortable with. And so you might hear stories of people that are able to grow companies different ways, but you've got to find your own methods for yeah, building the company that you're most comfortable with. And in that, in your scenario, it sounded like you you wanted a greater robustness or greater guarantee about what activity would return what kind of revenue. With the partnership marketing aspect of that, you listed out some of the partners. So I think you explained maybe publishing people, writers. Can you remember some of the ways in which you were promoting Authors Unite through those people, particularly in that first five years or so? What tactics were you using? Yeah, with the with the partners. So basically, mm. So in the beginning, like we had tried, you know, the Facebook ads and stuff like that, and it really didn't work. Like all my business was pretty much coming from referrals, which is also how it is now, but just at a way larger scale. Because one of the things I'll just say as a side note with the book business that's amazing is like when you have a client and you launch their book and it has success you know, they tell their entire network, like that's kind of part of it. So in this business, you know, every single client I launch, like I get, let's say on average, like three new clients from every client I have, right? right? Because everyone in their network knows that they're coming out with a book, it succeeds. And then a few of their friends ask them like, Hey, how'd you do it? And then they refer them to me. So good business to be in for referrals just overall. But then to scale that, what I had noticed is I started to look at our numbers. And one of the things that stuck out to me was one of our publishing partners, like one of our first ones that we had was essentially it was like 70% of our business. (laughs) I was like, okay, wait a second here. I was like, so this one partner has referred us this many clients resulted in this much revenue. What if I just get like 10 or 20 more of, of them? 
how easy of a business would that be? And it will just keep scaling. So then we just went on this, like, I'll call it a rampage, honestly, because that's kind of what it is. And um, we still do it today, not as much just because we've, I kind of feel like we've almost, we haven't tapped the market out, but we've reached out to a lot. So there's two main ways that we do it. It's through LinkedIn sales navigator. So messaging through there and then just straight up through Google and then messaging through their uh, contact forms on their websites. And essentially the messaging, it just says at the top, it says potential collaboration. And then it says, I noticed we both work with authors. There might be ways we can collaborate. Two sentences there. And then the bottom just says my name and then authorsunite.com. And you know now it's not me, obviously it's our sales reps, but at first it was me. And the whole point was literally just to have them to perk curiosity enough to have them hop on a call with me. And then we'd have the call, it'd be 20 minutes. And basically I would just be like, hey, I'd love to learn more about you and what you do. I'll just say, say they're a publisher at your publishing company. And then I'll tell you more about what we do at Authors Unite. Connect, build a relationship. I learn about them. They learn about us. And then I put them in my CRM and I follow up with them on a biweekly, monthly, or quarterly basis, depending on how the conversation went. And I'm not kidding you, for years I did like minimum, I'm saying 50 calls a week. And then on maximum, it was like over a hundred calls a week, close to 200. And I would just, I was just going so hard, Mm. (laughs) a lot. And, you know, we keep refining our CRM. So, so people that wouldn't respond after a month, we would, you know, delete them from our CRM um, and keep refining it and tightening it up. But through that, you know, now we have, like I said earlier, like over 10,000 partners, um, that like we feel like are legit that we've built true relationship with uh, from me or my sales reps. And we just, you know, we refer to them, they refer to us. And, you know, how many reach outs have we done? I don't even more than the calls. So uh, just so many. And I honestly feel like it, what it's done at this point is like, I feel and I mean this in no ego way. I just, I tell people this sometimes. I just feel like we're probably the most connected company in mm-hmm. the entire publishing industry because of the way we built the business. Like, if anybody has a question on what to do with a book, if I can't do it, I probably know somebody that can. Um, so, yeah, that that's, we just found what was working and just scaled the living heck out of it. Mm. It reminds me of, um, there's a book by, I think it's Lewis Howes, but I always forget his name. Um, he's released a lot of books over the years regarding LinkedIn connections and building your network on LinkedIn and um, how to scale your network using LinkedIn. There are a few lessons that come to mind for me. So the first is that it's actually just your willingness to be focusing on the data. So you would maybe have never have spotted that opportunity if you weren't paying attention to the data. So I'm, I'm just interested to know there, would you consider yourself quite an analytical person? You had to be on the ball to have spotted that and to know that 70% of your revenue was coming from one publisher and so on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am, um, I'm definitely an over, like I, maybe it's like some people call it OCD. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I have like, you know, full, but I like overthink everything and I double check, triple check things. So when I was looking at our CRM and checking out all the referrals from our partners, mm. I just noticed this one, like you can see all the emails from 
like an, we use pipe drive. Yeah. So I don't know anybody familiar with that, but you can like see like how many emails has come from you and that person. And as I was looking at this one, I just noticed, I was like, this is way longer than all the others. <laughs> and then I started to calculate and I was like, you know, there's other publishers that are similar to them. Let me start reaching out to them because those ones uh, I would imagine would work the best. And, you know, that was accurate. So I'd say somewhat analytical, but my biggest thing is I'm just a people person, which is another reason why I think it works so well is I just love connecting and learning and talking to people. So the fact that I got to do that many calls per week to some people, that sounds like terrible. To me, I actually. I actually enjoyed it um, and have built a lot of lifelong friendships from it. And in the publishing space, you talked about making all of these connections. And so I guess, firstly, you talked about the initial email that you sent to people being quite short. I think you said two sentences or or less, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's intentional. And I want to know whether you experimented with that a little bit and then you fell on that as the result. Is that kind of what happened, a a process of trial and error, or was it a case of you just managed to get it right first time? Yeah, so it was definitely some experimentation. And I, you know, it's interesting. I consume a lot of content, so it's it's hard for me to give direct credit to something because I don't exactly know where everything comes from. But I will tell you, I I recall one time hearing Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels say, curiosity is one of the best things for marketing or something like it was a quote he worded it like better than that but what i realized is with linkedin and when people reach out to you they always it's like a pitch they especially linkedin i'm sure you've gotten these on linkedin and a lot of your listeners have like they'll send you like this huge like novel (laughs) of like hey you should work with me and all this stuff and like i don't even read those they're too long and it's just I, i just click away so I was like, if I want to get somebody's attention, I need to perk their curiosity. So I knew I wanted it to be short. We trial and aired like a, a few different options and that potential collaboration um, worked the best. And then uh, what happened, most of the responses we get from that is people respond and they say, I'm interested. I'd like to learn more. Mm-hmm. And then that opens the door to respond and say, you know, perfect. Here's my calendar link. Um, and we can connect. I, I word it differently on the response, depending on what they say, but, uh, we can connect. And then what, uh, just kind of an advanced level of this is we actually do the retargeting, right? So what happens is when somebody clicks one of my sales reps links now, um, it's authorsunite.com slash their name, whatever their, the sales reps name is the person who books with them gets retargeted on Facebook and Instagram with success stories, um, with like, I think we do like 15 video testimonials, something like that. So by the time they get on the call with us, they know that like we deliver amazing results. So I think that makes the call a lot easier to have too. Uh, that was going to lead me into my next question, actually, because I was then curious about, I guess this is different for each industry, but in the publishing space, I guess then it's really important for you to get people on the phone. So is it an industry where if you get people on the phone that you know that you can then build up those partnerships? I guess this applies more broadly to the infinite partnership system as well. In general, how important is it to get people on the phone? If I didn't get people on the phone, I don't think it would work nearly as well, especially because like, and we have a lot of different products that range, but like a lot of our revenue comes from our higher end services of ghostwriting and book marketing, which is like, that's like 50K and up. Mm. So if somebody's going to refer you someone, 
you know, for that price point, they have to trust, you know, I think, I feel like that requires a phone call. You know, if it's like a small course purchase, that's like $97, then I think you don't need to really have the call. I understand the identifying the opportunity and then executing on it and getting people on the phone. And then I also understand then, and this is the bit I think I'm really curious about, you start to build up this huge network. How do you then manage that network? And in particular, did you ever have any issues or concerns with managing your reputation as your network grew? Because I guess that's the thing you worry about is sometimes it can be hard to retain relationships when your network gets so big. So I'm just curious as to how you managed to do that. Because you also said as you were talking that you've made some lifelong friends in the industry just that maybe initiated or started through this process. Yeah, I will tell you that that's a great question. So the stepping out of the business was one of the hardest things that I ever did because at first, right, I built all these relationships personally. And like I said, like a lot of them, you know, feel like friends, right? So yes, we do business, we make money together, but it, it feels more than just a business transaction because of the way we built the business. So then what I, I just very slowly just started, like when we would get referrals, I very, from people that I talked to, I very slowly would just start to be like, okay, perfect. Uh, George handles these types of campaigns, right? Hmm. And I would just slowly, slowly take myself out more hmm. and more. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, I still get direct texts from a lot of my partners here and there. And I'm, again, because it feels like a friend, to me, that's not really work. So I, I'll respond. But what I've done to manage that is, and for anybody listening that texts me, <laughs> you'll, you'll know this now, I don't like respond right away ever. I'm, I actually have my phone on do not disturb 24 <laughs> seven. And, uh, what I do is just like a couple times a day, I will just look at it and then I'll respond to all my like missed calls and messages. Right. And that's how I kind of manage it. And again, you know, it's funny. I think I got that from the four hour work week because I think in somewhere Tim says like batching, right? Like you batch things and that has been really useful in growing the business too. Hmm. On that topic, when you're managing that many conversations and uh, relationships, I'm interested to know other ways in which, whether it's a software solution or frameworks or techniques that maybe you use to, I guess it's to manage the manage the networking, but then also for yourself to stay disciplined. Yeah, for sure. So PipeDrive is really we use, let me think about this. There's two core tools that we use. So Basecamp, I'll, I'll just glance over real quick. Yeah. Basecamp we use for clients. That has been extremely helpful. Like we would not be able to have scaled to where we're at without that, I don't think. So that, that's been very helpful. Um, as far as just the relationships and partnerships, we use PipeDrive. And on PipeDrive, you can create like reminders and stuff. So when uh, any of my sales reps now have a call, they just put a follow up, right? So they, you know, whether it's bi weekly, monthly, or quarterly, uh, they'll just continuously follow up and like check in with the person. Um, and then maybe have another call, like if they want to or if it requires that. 
And that's what I did when I was doing the calls too. It's just like continuous follow-up. I can't tell you how many like emails I've gotten. Like, what are you doing? Like, how do you always follow up with me like at the right time? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's really not hard. Like, it's just a CRM uh, and Pipedrive is not even like the most robust CRM. It's a pretty basic one. I mm-hmm. feel it's like Infusionsoft is more than a CRM, but that's, you know, I think as wild as you can kind of get. But, um, but yeah, just being mindful and just setting reminders is really all it is. And, and when you did start to step away from the business and teach other people how to do this, you mentioned that was difficult. Was it difficult because you were so invested in the relationships or was it difficult because then you had to teach something that you've just done naturally? What was the most difficult part of that? Two two things. So one was the stepping of like basically somebody that I had been talking to, let's say for like the last three years, build a relationship with, and now I am basically saying like, hey, now you can talk to this sales manager. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that was definitely a little difficult. Um, and luckily, like no bad responses or hard feelings or anything. But I think it was mo- maybe more me in my head. Like I was like, oh, maybe they won't refer to us anymore. They won't, maybe they won't like me anymore. Um, you know, just who knows a lot of things going on there, but it, it all ended up working out. I just did it gradual to make sure if it did backfire, there wasn't like a big explosion. Right. So I just kind of test the waters first. And then the only other thing I would say the process in, in my opinion, and obviously I've done it and built it. So to me, it's easy, but the actual process of it is very easy. The one thing that's very difficult to teach is having the conversations in a way like a, like I feel I've always been told growing up, I have the gift of gab, like just natural charisma. So I don't know how to teach that, you know, like I don't, how do you teach that? I don't, I don't even know if there is a way. So I just found sales reps that I think have the ability to connect with others um, cause it's almost not even sales, right? Like it's, it's more building relationship with a partner enough that trust is built. And once they refer to us, the deal is almost already closed. It's kind of just like a, I call it like a get to know you call because our referral partners, they always tell their clientele like what our pricing and offering is before they refer. So that salesperson, when they get on that call, they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, like everything that your publisher told you is accurate and here's how we move forward. Right. Um, so, you know what I mean? You can't, you just can't teach charisma. So it's, it's more, what was hard is finding people that already had it. Mm. That, that was good. I've learned a lot there from the, the lessons really from Authors Unite and it leads me to the infinite partnership system. So you started to learn and these lessons started to surface and I assume there would have been either a series of incidents or maybe one trigger incident that led to you thinking, ah, actually I can apply all these lessons and this can be my second, this can be another business, this can be the infinite partnership system. So maybe talk me through that. What eventually triggered the idea for Infinite Partnership System? Was it one scenario or kind of lots of little things that led up to it? So what made it happen was one, you know, so it's both, right? So lots of little things led up to it. But then one of actually one of my publishing partners, uh, one of my top ones that refers us a lot of business, he was just like, I forget how it happened, but I think he was just like, hey, dude, like, so how do you like do this? Like, how, how have you grown your business? Like he just as a friend was just like asking. And I told him and he lives in Ohio. 
And um, after I told him, he was like, dude, I'm going to fly to Miami with my team and we're going to film a course. (laughs) And we're going to go 50, 50. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's like, are you down? And honestly, I was like, sure. Because like, I, I don't know. It's just courses necessary aren't necessarily my expertise or anything. So I was just like, all right, if you take care of all the back end, like all that stuff and I just teach it, then I'm in like, that'll be easy for me. So literally like the week after he said it, he flew down, we filmed the course uh, over a weekend um, and then launched it like a month after that. So that's how that happened. So that's a really interesting story as a starting point. But the, um, you talked earlier about like, where do you start when you're trying to teach this stuff? Can you remember the process that you went through to try and document your thoughts and the things that are top of mind for you that you were like, this definitely has to go in here? What are the most important, I would say maybe principles that result in success within the Infinite Partnership Programme? first thing I wanted to do is just simplify it to make it known that like it works for any business. And the best way I can do this is explaining like, um, and I still actually, (laughs) I've thought, I just haven't done it yet. I want to like reach out to landscaping companies and teach them this and then like take a small percentage. Maybe somebody listening will do this and then they can do it. (laughs) Um, but just this most simple business landscaping that would succeed with this. Um, this is how I uh, explain it is if I was a landscaping business or a landscaper, I would use LinkedIn and Google. I would put in zip code and I would type in real estate agents like Google. I would just do real estate agents near me. And then for LinkedIn, you can actually put in zip code and I would use the same script. I'd reach out to real estate agents and I'd say, Hey, their name or potential collaboration. I noticed that we both work with homeowners. There might be ways we can collaborate, right? Mm-hmm. And then name and then my website at the bottom. They'll respond and say, you know, say 40%, 50% of them respond and just say, Hey, I'm curious to learn more. What do you have in mind? And then respond back with your schedule link, hop on the call and then say, Hey, look, for every house that you sell, give them my card and, and and say, um, like, Hey, I'm the best landscaper in town, by the way, just side note, this is assuming you are, you are offering a very good service or product, right? Like this is, this is all marketing we're talking about. So assuming that you do offer good landscaping services, if that is true, then, you know, build partnerships with all the real estate agents in your area, give them 20% commission on for life on every single purchase that comes from their buyers and you would literally take over your whole town and then your city and then your state and then the whole freaking USA. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, like I know it would work. Um, and so, uh, so either way, that's the first thing I kind of explain is just like that shows you like, Hey, it can work with landscaping. It could work with any business. Like I've yet to really find a business that this won't work with because it's just basically building referral partnerships. Um, so it starts there. And then, you know, truly building a partnership, like reaching out in that way, having a lot of calls, right? Like think about all the calls that I've had. So it doesn't work if you're just only willing to do like five calls a week. I mean, that'll help, Mm. but it's not going to scale you to the, to the limit, uh, or to the place that we're talking about. And then, um, from there following up. So, uh, so continuous follow up, not just having the call and then just waiting, right? Like I can't tell you how many times I had the call and they're like, yeah, I got like three people that are ready that I'm ready to refer to you right now. 
and then I get nothing. And then two weeks later, because that's like a hot lead, I follow up and say, Hey, you know, just checking in on those three people. And they're like, Oh, I forgot, you know, and then they mm. refer them. So you got to follow up. Uh, I feel like those are the most important. Yeah. Just uh, identifying your top partners, messaging them in a way that gets them to respond and hop on a call with you and then continuously following up and doing it at like scale. Mm. Uh, I think is, is the best, the top things. Yeah. It sounds like that when you translate that into the skills required to be good at utilizing the infinite partnership system, that maybe creativity, just the ability to want to experiment with that messaging and the types of conversations that you have is important. And the other two that come to mind for me are discipline and organization. So being disciplined to, as you said, manage your time effectively and know the amount of calls that you need to put in and and organization in terms of managing the relationships. Are there any other skills that come to mind when I, when I speak that through that you think that they're really important to the success of this? Good question. Um, well, this is what I think is I think, so not every business owner likes to talk to people, right? So for example, like in my industry, editors and ghostwriters, typically they do not want to really talk to anyone. They just they just want to edit books and write books. Right. You know, they want to be alone and that's what they like to do. Whereas like people like me and you, like I have a podcast as well. I've done almost 2000 episodes. That's one of the things I actually ended up doing with all my free time is just interviewing <laughs> 2000 people, <laughs> um, which was a lot of fun. But uh, regardless, I think you can hire what you don't have. So if you're the people person, like maybe you and I, um, you know, do the phone calls at first, but then bring on a virtual assistant to do all of the organization and the follow-ups, right? And to handle the CRM and all that, or, you know, vice versa. Um, if you're not, then you can find like, you can do a job post on LinkedIn and find like a commission. If you're very early on, you don't want to pay like a base, um, salary, you can probably find a commission only salesperson to do all the calls, pay them a commission. And then um, you handle all of the technical or backend stuff. I'm glad you mentioned commission, but I want to talk about commission in a different context because you mentioned it a moment ago as well. I'd imagine that knowing how to approach the conversations about commission, about the exchange of value, is one of the most difficult parts of this system because... Again, my assumption here is that you build relationships and at some point you've got to cross that barrier of having friendly conversation to actually putting together a deal together. And um, a lot of that will be commission-based, um, I assume, when building a partnership program out. So I appreciate that's a tough thing to teach and it's one of the reasons your course exists probably. But are there any resources that come to mind for you that you've utilized in your career that have helped you understand where to start with creating commission structures and the right type of deal where value is generated for both partners? Yeah, you know, it's actually easier than you'd imagine. So what I'll say is, so in the course, we actually, for the phone calls, we give a full script and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you can just follow that. But as far as like what you're asking um, for the commission, here's what I have found through trial and error is that you really want to do 20% commission or more. And in that initial 20 minute call, uh, after they, you know, after you send the potential collaboration uh, message, you know, that usually it's like the first five, 10 minutes is just getting to know each other. And then once they tell me about their business, um, you know, I listen and I'm like, okay, perfect. I can definitely see some ways I could refer people to you. And then I tell them about, 
you know, my business. And then after that, naturally I just say, and we give a 20% commission on, you know, any and all sales that you refer to us. And I think what a lot of people do, which is very strange to me, but I think it's strange to me because of the way I built the business is a lot of partners that I've had in the past they're very like, they don't want to pay me the commission. Like I can feel it, you know? And whereas I love paying commissions, (laughs) I really do because I'm like, I wouldn't have had this deal without you anyway. (laughs) You Mm. know? So like, I'm happy to pay commission. So a lot of people will offer, like I'll I'll be in a call and they'll be like, yeah, we do like a 5% or 10% commission. And I I'll just tell you what I feel when somebody says that that's not enough. That's just not enough for me to, it's like Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. You know, you offer him like 5%. He's like, I'm not waking up for 5%. <laughs> What's 5%? Um, so I don't know. It just I feel like a lot of people, their referral programs are broken from the start because they're only offering 5 10%. And when somebody offers me that, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to make you like 50 to 100 grand or whatever on this, and you're going to pay me 5 to 10. I was like, that doesn't seem like a fair value exchange. So I think for done for you services, 20% is a perfect exchange and it's worked really well for us. And if it's like a course or something where it doesn't require my team's effort, you know, literally they just buy and get access to content, then we'll do anywhere from 40 to 50% commission. And um, those numbers or percentages have historically worked very well for us. And how do you keep track of the deals that you have in place or the contracts or the structure that you have in place when you've got so many partners? Is there, you know, again, is this, is there a software solution to that? How do you manage it? So this is a little bit more manual. So for courses and stuff, there is a software solution and I, my tech team, um, it's some WordPress plugin. Like we can, right. you can create like custom links, right. For people. And then if somebody purchases the course through their link, then we know who it came from. But when it requires a phone call, like with our high end, uh, or high ticket done for you services, the way that it works, how we know is the publisher will refer to my sales rep, um, say, hey, this person is interested in becoming a bestseller on USA Today, Wall Street Journal, let's say. Um, they'll refer it to the sales rep that you know had the call with the publisher initially. So they refer, and then my sales rep puts in Pipedrive in the notes right. um, that it came from that person. Yeah, it's not very automatic, but that's that's what we got for now, at least. Hmm. And you mentioned as you were talking that the this the partnership marketing in this way can work for all different types of companies. I think you said that you haven't yet come across any industry where it doesn't work, but I'm interested on the flip side of that. Are there any trends that you've seen in industries where partnership marketing really works? And it's kind of almost like a no brainer from what you've seen in your experience that that's your recommendation that you would start there in certain industries or with certain company types. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked that because it's very fitting for this podcast is I I feel like any online marketing type company, this would work very, very well for. And the reason is because, I mean, in a sense, although we offer all these different things, in a sense, we're, we are kind of like a marketing agency. We just focus on authors, right? Mm-hmm. So say if you do, say if I was a Facebook ads agency, what I would do is I would reach out to SEO agencies or PR agencies 
people that I don't compete with directly, but they offer complimentary things. And I would just literally, I would talk to thousands of SEO agencies, thousands of PR agencies. And if I had more time, I could do some more research and find more types of marketing agencies. And I would just be like, look, you offer SEO. I offer Facebook ads. All your clients are doing SEO probably for the same reason that they would hire me for Facebook ads, right? They want more leads. They want more clients. So let's work out a partnership. Anybody who comes to me uh, that uh, purchases my Facebook ads, I will also let them know about your your SEO agency, right? And they, you can work out deals like that. And at scale, you know, you can imagine. It's just most people don't do this at scale. That's mm-hmm. what I've really realized because of all the conversations I've had, most people are like, yeah, I have a few referral partners. And I'm like, in my mind, I think, okay, well, you have a few referral partners, they're working. Have you ever thought of having 100,000 referral partners? <laughs> you know, like, I know that sounds like kind of crazy, but, you know, honestly, like, have you, have you thought about that? Because what if you did, you'd probably, you know, have like a nine-figure business. <laughs> so, well, that's, so that's how I would do it. That leads me nicely to a final question just on that topic is that I'm interested in what you've seen that maybe if you're able to pinpoint anything that prevents people from launching a partner program, what are the either common objections or maybe misconceptions that you hear? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing is and this is why I say you can hire hire this out if you don't want to do it, but it's it is putting in the work. Right. Like when I tell people the amount of calls that I've done per week, I think a lot of people are just like, you know, they're like, that's crazy. Like, there's no way. And I say, look, like again, five, ten calls a week, it can work. It's just not going to work as quickly as fifty calls a week. Mm. You know, so you don't have to do fifty or a hundred. You can do five or ten. Um, but you know, when I started doing this, I was really looking at it from a scaling standpoint. And if you really want to scale it, you want to have a lot of sales reps. Um, you want to do it yourself to really refine and make it perfect before you bring all the sales reps, if you are willing to do the calls. And then it's really just like an autopilot machine that just keeps building relationships and being very fruitful for you and your referral partners. So I'd say that's the number one objection is I don't want to do that many phone calls. We've come towards the end of our time together. So before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, your companies, and also your podcast? Yeah, for sure. So uh, so I'll just go in that order. So me, Instagram is probably the best place. Uh, Tyler B. Wagner is the handle. And then websites are authorsunite.com and infinitepartnershipsystem.com. And the podcast is just my name. So the Tyler Wagner Show on Apple, Spotify, all the different places. There we go. Uh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed that conversation, learning a little bit more about your experience and thoughts on partnership marketing. We haven't actually covered that too much on the podcast recently. So it's really cool to cover that topic. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your road trip and you stay safe. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Okay, take care. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do. And start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.